I'm a huge proponent of mm-hmm. aligning your business strategy to how your buyers want to actually buy from you. And the way that I've seen the most successful agencies work in terms of landing new clients is they're setting themselves up as the authority, you know, in their particular niche that they service, right? And obviously that's done mm-hmm. through putting yourself in the place that buyers are actually consuming your message. Where I've seen that is obviously, you know, things like paid social in other places that are hard to track, right? How do you do attribution on that, right? That's really hard. You're listening to the Paris Talks Marketing Podcast, where we interview top marketing leaders at high growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. Our goal with this podcast is to cut through the fluff and jargon of digital marketing to reveal what's really working at some of the fastest growing, most successful SaaS companies today. The Paris Talks Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Hop Online, a performance growth marketing agency. If you like this episode and would like to have a similar conversation with someone at our agency, just go to hop.online, H-O-P.online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. Today, my guest is Eric Stockton. Eric is the VP of Demand Gen and also the host of the Revenue Marketing Show, a podcast by SharpSpring from Constant Contact that puts listeners in the trenches with B2B and e-commerce marketers to jumpstart their revenue marketing strategies with actionable tips from thought leaders at the forefront of modern marketing. An expert and innovator in digital marketing, e-commerce, lead gen, publishing, and online media, Eric has a track record of proven leadership and has directly led $3 million plus ad budgets and $70 million plus top line sales organizations. He has a knack for identifying areas for growth, developing strategy, and diving in where it counts to drive revenue. So with that, Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paris. I uh, don't know what to say about that intro. That was pretty impressive. (laughs) Well, yeah, you've had a pretty impressive run. And why don't you kick us off by just telling us a little bit about who you are and and what you do, anything that wasn't covered in that extensive intro. Yeah. So thanks for having me on the show. As we talked about prior Mm -hmm. to the, to going live, my, my start here at Constant Contact was through an acquisition. We were acquired back in September by uh, Constant Contact. Mm-hmm. So we're yeah, just happy to be here and ready to talk marketing. Can you just w- walk us through how deal went? Because I, I just learned right before when we were chatting well over a decade, I think it's one of the iconic SaaS brands, especially in email marketing. Yeah. Can you just tell me a little bit about how that deal came came to be and what are the synergies between SharpSpring and Constant Contact? Yeah, sure. As I said, the acquisition happened in September of 2021. And the thinking is, as you sort of mentioned, everybody pretty much knows, if you're a marketer, you know what constant contact is and what email marketing and digital or email and digital marketing. And so taking that and then coupling it with something like a SharpSpring, which is really a marketing automation platform and CRM allows this very large customer base access to products, you know, and capabilities that maybe they didn't have, you know, before. And so I think you know, really that was sort of part of it. The other part of it is, you know, obviously SharpSpring is well-known in a certain small space, but it's not nearly the brand recognition that Constant Contact has. So marrying those two up, I think was, you know, was was a lot of the rationale and mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it sure does. And 
Let's walk through the landscape a little bit. So marketing, for those who are not familiar, can you just describe the nuances and differences between what Constant Contact does with its core in email marketing and what SharpSpring does with its, its core in marketing automation? Where are the differences and where are their overlaps in those, those product sets? Yeah, that's a great question. So you know, at email marketing and the automations that come along with you know developing things like a drip series, follow-up cadences, integrations you know, with multiple multiple platforms, things like that, right? And so if you have a list and you are looking to use that for your digital marketing efforts, that's Constant Contact is really one of the brands that you would look at. And if you think about SharpSpring as a marketing automation platform, thinking about the way I describe it is, you know, if you have like a sales team that is looking to receive leads from marketing and those leads need to be created, captured, scored, passed off in a workflow format, you know, SharpSpring, you know, does all of those things. And then, you know, a lot of people actually don't realize that it's actually a CRM as well. So, you know, the sales team actually works in like our sales team, we, we sort of drink our own champagne. Yeah. So our sales team actually works within, you know, SharpSpring themselves to work the opportunities that we hand them from marketing, developed out, you know, a cadence and workflows for the sales side too. So it, it's really, if you think about the two, it's, it's a nice pairing up. Yeah. Is this in part, I, I'm thinking about HubSpot and HubSpot comes to mind when I think about the SaaS companies that have successfully merged the CRM with marketing automation and also with email marketing and automation. Was this deal done in part also just to kind of keep up with how that's changing, how these, with what HubSpot has done and maybe others how these things are merging. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I really can't in, speak entirely to the the logic behind it, but I, but I think, you know, it sort of is reasonable to think that you know, as companies get more sophisticated, their needs get more sophisticated, you want to have a product that helps to meet that need. When we look at marketing automation and CRM, you know, the way I think about it, it is it is sort of the underlying infrastructure that makes the business run, right? So everything layers on top of that. It's sort of the pipes underneath, mm -hmm. right? The infrastructure underneath that you build everything on from reporting and handoffs, routing, yeah. you know, those sorts of things. So, I mean, having that capability to make Make your marketing team more efficient to have that underlying. That's like of the most successful agencies and you know marketing leaders that I've seen. They've got that really well done, mm -hmm. and it's almost like if it works really well, you don't even know it exists, right? Because it's just it works, and then you add that layer of sophistication on top of that. Once you have the trust and that foundation that you built. Yeah, I remember that SharpSpring. At least they used to really go after agencies. Is that still a, a target mm -hmm. ICP of SharpSpring? It absolutely is. Yeah. We haven't actually haven't steered away from that. I think for mm -hmm. us, we like, if you think about like the podcast that I do, like a lot of the agency partners are on that podcast talking about how their clients are working through problems that they're solving. Right. And in your, in your current role, as, as VP of demand gen for constant contact, do you still target those personas, those agency personas that are yeah, associated with SharpSpring? 100%, yeah. Uh, it's it's a significant number of deals that we close every month that are coming okay. in and it represents a very large percentage of our install base as well. So, you know, when we think about mm -hmm. agency partners, like that's a huge piece of the way that we think about our, you know, things like go to market, product, roadmap, all mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff. Okay. And I suppose our agency is a, uh, like a multiplier for you all because then they will they'll onboard their own client portfolios into SharpSpring. Yeah, so I talk to like I said in the, in the podcast I talk to agencies pretty much every week and one of the things okay. that 
they continually will tell me is the different ways in which they are using the platform to help their clients grow. And I sort of like internalize that a little bit. And I think it probably comes back out in our marketing at some point. But in terms of the way that I hear them talk, landing new clients, new client business, using SharpSpring as a way to be able to help them increase retention for clients, land new client business, you know, things like that. It's all sort of tied together. Yeah. Can you walk me through one of your own acquisition funnels for agencies when it comes to whether, let's just say from top of the funnel, high funnel touch points through the middle and to the bottom and on through to acquisition. Could you maybe walk me through one of your favorite motions or or funnels for an agency acquisition? Sure. So I think like every every inbound motion, you know, you typically are looking at understanding ICP first. So, you know, if I think back mm-hmm. when we started doing a lot of this, I would say let's call it six months, you know, six months ago, one of the things that we were really focusing on is taking a really good look at who our customers are and understanding these agencies. That's actually how the podcast was born, to be honest with you, was wasn't really like meant to be a podcast. It was really me just having conversations with agency partners. And and mm-hmm. understanding what their pain points were, like where were they getting stuck, what was sort of keeping them awake at night, things like that, and really understanding mm-hmm. sort of that qualitative research. So it started there, right? And and trying to understand what those mm-hmm. pain points were. And then they really started developing out into six or eight core themes we're very heavy into digital. So like a lot of the things that we do, if you've seen any of our stuff, you know, out in the wild, uh, a lot of paid social, really heavy retargeting layers and mid funnel layers that we've built in to drive those inbound hand raisers that are coming to the site of their own volition and saying, Hey, you know what, this is, you know, looks like I'm in either they're in, like they're probably in market at that point, right? They're coming to the site and they're saying, let me see what this thing's all about because we've identified some pain point that we know that they have in a, you know, with a client. So, that's a lot of it. And they'll come in, they'll look at the product, they'll have a pretty good idea of what we do. And then they self-select, right? They'll come to our demo request page and we will route them as a, what we call a high intent opportunity to directly to an AE, all right? They've already raised their hand and said, I want a demo. We're not going to route them to a BDR to qualify them again. These are people that are already self-qualified. And as the AE picks them up, you know, you can sort of see the, like it just, it shows up in the numbers, right? You know, the conversion rate from a demo request to a demo attend is okay. really high. What, what is that? I'm just curious. Uh, the percentage wise, you mean? Yeah. So from a demo request to a t- to actual uh, showing up. Yeah, it's it's in the forty percent range, so it's pretty high. Okay. And um, the thinking is obviously again because they've already re- you know they already sort of self selected, just routing them directly to an AE to have a conversation as quickly as possible makes the most sense. So mm-hmm. having that conversation, and then they obviously work their way into you know qualified opportunity that works you know through the pipeline from there on. Sales team picks mm-hmm. them up and works them. And you know when we think about SharpSpring is a yeah. you know is a use for their own business. So obviously the conversation topics are different. You know, the pain points are different. The demo is different. Everything yeah. is, is really customized to that agency. Is the, is part of the strategy to flow agency prospects through the more the high sales touch flow and then have the SMBs go more through a lo- low touch, more product-led growth experience? 
not today. The product, I mean, if you think mm -hmm. about what okay. we do, one of the topics that really comes up a lot is you guys do a lot, right? Ending page builders and email, email capability, mm -hmm. obviously, uh, workflows, automations. We have chatbots, you know, we have retargeting, you know, ad mm -hmm. capability inside the platform. You know, you sort of just go down the list, you know, analytics, right? You, you get all of these things that are central to the platform and people look at it, SMBs will come in and they will look at it and they'll be like, you guys do a lot. A lot of the, a lot of the time it's, where do I start? And so that high touch mm -hmm. helps people understand not only like yeah. um, what it is that we do, right? Cause we can talk about that, but it's really more about what point or what pain point, what problem are you trying to solve? And then working through, you know, with the business mm -hmm. or the agency to help them, you know, help them show how SharpSpring solves that problem. What are some of the most common ways, what, what features are the, the so-called Trojan horses or the ones that are most common starting points for new customers that just get them the, the, the shortest path to value or the shortest time to value where they can experience that, that value quickest and then, and then start to expand their use of across the other features? What are some of the, the hooks? I'd love to be able to, yeah, I think it's a great question. I'd love to be able to tell you there's uh -huh. one or two or five. It's, yeah. It is all over the map. Okay. And every business comes in and, you know, obviously as a marketer or anybody in product led, like you'd love to be able to narrow it down to a handful of common use cases. Right. But mm -hmm. we don't have that. Like the first, yeah. yeah the, the first email campaign launched is a yeah. huge predictor. Or something. Yeah. There, it's, so it's not, it's, it's not, not that, that easy. Not, not yeah. That it's not that simple. So we, we think about things mm -hmm. like, I love what you said. It's like, you know, what is the quick time to value, right? You know, and be able to get somebody in the in the platform. The way that we've sort of thought about the product, I think a little bit differently is saying, look, yes, you have desired outcomes, right? And, but we want to leave, we want to leave the experience, understand like one or two things, right? And every, as I said before, there's not like a real common theme, but, you know, get that one or two things plugged in. And then from that point, then we start unveiling or surfacing all of the other things. I think it's when we throw th too many things at somebody, mm -hmm. that's when it gets overwhelming. And so we, we sort of like rein that in, yeah. you know, you want to know that you have that capability, but you don't want to like start trying to do everything, right? Drinking from the fire hose isn't going to work. So it's, yeah. you know, they select themselves, yeah. their desired outcome. And then from there, then what we do is we start mm -hmm. surfacing the other capabilities yeah, after gotcha. they've got that locked in. I can tell you from my own experience, having tried yeah. different marketing and automation platforms, and we're we're using HubSpot right now, but just scratching the surface, I feel like, of what, what it's capable of doing. Part of that is just yeah. The, yeah. that feeling of overwhelm. Where, where do we start? And uh, the biggest challenge, honestly, for me as an agency, as an agency owner, is the lead scoring methodology. You try to come up with with a system of yeah. uh, assessing or yep. assigning scores to different things. If they open an email, if they touch here, if they download that, if they fill out a form there, if they visit a certain number of times, that to me is where I always get stuck. And I would prefer to start with something like, let me just yeah. launch a newsletter and let me just see if I can get that done, a monthly newsletter, or let me see if I can get 100%. a landing page built because mm -hmm. uh, we have PPC campaigns running and let's see if we can just improve and get a nice landing page. Uh, and I don't know if that's helpful yes. feedback, but as an agency, I think that's where I often and get stuck is just thinking it, it would just be so yeah. amazing to have all these different lead scoring triggers all over the place, but the, I just yeah. can't figure out how to value yeah. them against each other. We, like as marketers, we like shiny new things, 
right? And yeah. so I think one of the things that I always sort of counsel folks basically every week on is is exactly what you just said, which is get real specific about what is the biggest impact you can make and focus on that. Get that mm -hmm. up and running, right? Get the analytics flowing back in so you can see what's working and what's not working. And then look at, you know, other things that you can layer on top of that because mm -hmm. like lead scoring is super sexy, right? I mean, like, is, is that the thing you want to start with, right? Or do you want to put a foundation in, yeah. you know, that helps you be able to capture the right kinds of opportunities that are high intent, right? Just right there on your site, mm -hmm. uh, which you already know PQLs that are, you know, the right, again, the right kind of those, those opportunities need to be handled first and well routed mm -hmm. best. And then everything else is sort of like secondary to that, right? You know, in terms of uh, yeah. impact. But yeah, I, I totally get it. I've, it's funny, I've seen, you mentioned lead scoring, like I've seen lead scoring that is incredibly complicated and overwhelming, I think, for anybody who's trying to manage that. But if you really, if you really know who your customer is and how you're getting them, there's, you could probably apply the Pareto rule, you know, 80-20 and, and sort of see how things should be routed. And then you work on nuancing and improving and optimizing. Mm -hmm. So you talk to agencies all, all week long, and I imagine that you've probably almost never heard an agency tell you that they have enough leads. Am I right? Is that a common pain point that they need more leads? So this is just to make sure I understand it correctly. Mm -hmm. You're saying like an agency, they themselves don't have enough leads for new Correct, client opportunities. Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Is that a common, is that a very common yeah, refrain? For sure. Right. For sure. Always. And I think it's a bit of a cobbler's yeah. shoes mentality too, right? You know, agencies are really good at helping their clients, but then don't leave enough bandwidth to be able to do their own prospecting yeah. and business building. And, you know, I see that a lot, to mm -hmm. be honest with you. They know how to do it, but then they spend all of their creative bandwidth and brain power on, you know, client campaigns, mm -hmm. maybe, and not their own. So one of the topics that we talk about a lot is what does that allocation, resource allocation look like to, you know, clients yeah. versus new business? One of, the, one of the ways that we try to solve this at Hop Online is we actually pretend like we're our own client. So we created a project for ourselves and we assigned a team to it and that team has to That's service great. that as a client and they track time against yeah. it. We, we have internal costs going against it and that shows up in the marketing budget and on the whole yeah. thing. So we really try to trick ourselves into making ourselves yeah. our own, one of our own clients yeah. and not a, not a bottom tier yeah. client, but a top tier client. But lead gen is, I mean, lead gen is always, I love is always that. a struggle. And one thing I'm really now I'm dying to know, Eric, is from all the agencies, agencies that you talk to, and I'm sure you talk about their lead gen strategies, I think about three major buckets, inbound, outbound, and partnerships. In partnerships, I would, I would also maybe throw in, let's say, referrals, client referrals, or other, other referrals. As you talk to these agencies, approximately what portion of their lead flow, qualified lead flow, comes from inbound versus outbound versus partnerships? Roughly, probably 60, 20, 20 something like that inbound versus the that other was, that was probably around what i was going to guess yeah. but 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 inbound number 1 by far yeah, majority 100%. inbound yeah it's it's funny like yeah. the in my experience and i you know obviously there are always exceptions to this but in my experience agencies don't like selling that much right they like business opportunities mm -hmm. that come to them but they don't like doing mm -hmm. the like if you're a marketing agency you're not or like a founder or an owner you're typically coming from a marketing background so you're probably not quite 
quite as comfortable mm-hmm. being that, you know, more aggressive follow-up sales, you know, type of mentality, unless you have that, you know, that role that you've hired for. But a lot of founders, mm-hmm. owners aren't wired that way. They are built on, as you would think, obviously inbound relationships. They're really good at, you know, building relationships, things like that. But in terms of mm-hmm. that outbound, there's just not like, at least in my experience anyway, I haven't seen very many yeah. people do it super well. Yeah, I, I can say that we've uh, we've certainly tried outbound at, di- at different points, and we really struggle with it. And uh, at the moment, we're not doing any of it. It's all inbound and partnerships and referrals. Is, is that is that philosoph? I'm curious. Is that philosophically the direction you're taking, or is it not working because it's just a function that is not working? Right. I mean, outbound obviously, yeah. um, in terms of conversion rate, you know, from a lead to a deal is is always going to be low, right? Yeah. With low intent or no intent. <laughs> So is it is it more like you made that as a strategic choice because you know of the low conversion rate, or is it because it's more philosophical? Like you want to align more with how the age, or how the clients yeah. are actually looking great, for services. Great, great question, Eric. I think now you're you've just put on the interviewer hat. It's not philosophical. <laughs> we we really try to be practical. I I believe outbound needs to work, and we haven't made it work yet. Yeah. I think it should work. Yeah. It is an, it's more of a numbers game. You need to pour a ton of uh, a ton of contacts up into the top yeah. of that funnel. You know that your email yeah. reply rate is going to be one to two percent, and then and then from there, yeah. you know, getting a meeting is another you know small percentage. And it's yeah. not it's not rocket science to generate lists of companies and then to find the, the people at those companies that you want to talk to and to acquire the emails and launch those drip campaigns and follow that through. For whatever reason, whether that be not getting the right messaging, not having the right assets or collateral t- to share with those people in those emails or, or some other part of the execution, but we've probably now tried and then given up three times over the last five years. You know, and whether you're an agency or you're somebody in B2B, like I think that's that pendulum, you know, you, you just sort of see it swing back and forth based on, you know, growth goals and that sort of thing. So you're not alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe that outbound also the challenge with outbound could be related to the type of business that we are in as agencies? Because I see it work constantly with our SaaS clients and it's a major, it's a, outbound is a major channel for most SaaS marketing, B2B SaaS marketing. Yeah. They've got in some cases outbound is even a lot bigger with bigger teams of SDRs and BDRs. But for us as a service business with, I don't know, pretty, pretty high LTV or annual contract values and a long sales cycle, just doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to be clicking. And maybe it's it's a function of just industry. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, if you, so, yeah, you, being in professional services, right, mm-hmm. or any kind of services business, I'm a huge proponent of mm-hmm. aligning your business strategy to how your buyers want to actually buy from you. And the way that I've seen the most successful agencies work in terms of landing new clients is they're setting themselves up as the authority, you know, in their particular niche that they service, right? And Obviously, that's done through content, through, you know, uh, putting yourself in the place that buyers are actually consuming your message, you know, as opposed to, well, and, and I would, I would say like, you know, the, where I've seen that is obviously, you know, things like paid social in other places that are hard to track. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's always the thing that's super, super divisive. I think in any organization, uh, whether you're an agency or not, anybody that's in, you know, a B2B selling to another company is how, how do I justify things like 
spending time in communities and getting referral business where I know somebody's on LinkedIn yeah. and I'm, you know, in a community and I'm providing a lot of value and I'm setting myself up as an authority and being that credible source of information so that when somebody is in market, they pick up the phone yeah. or they reach out to me. How do you do attribution on that? Right. That's really hard. Yeah. And so I think it's impossible, really. I mean, to do real attribution on that. It is you just but have to trust. footing the bill for that, whether that's in, you know, human time and capital or it's in dollars is really difficult to do. And if you're, mm. you know, you know, in an agency business, right, you know, a lot of the time, like, especially founder owner, it's coming right out of your own pocket. And it's, it's interesting, right? So agencies will yeah. tell their clients, these are the things that you need to do. You need to produce content. You need to set yourself up as an authority. You need to do these things that are hard to track in some cases, paid social, right? But then they themselves then turn around and that's like one of the things that's really hard for them to practicing what they preach. Yeah, it, it's just difficult. And I get it, right? Because that's really where the rubber hits the road. And so I think, you know, just trusting in the what you're seeing and knowing and sort of leaning into that. And then also yeah. developing a community of other marketers that are already doing it or other agency owners that are already doing this sort of thing is mm -hmm. is where I've seen a lot of the a lot yeah. of people have success. One of the one of the things that I've found success with personally is investing as an agency owner and CEO is to invest in building a personal brand for myself and then focusing no, that no. on LinkedIn as a channel. And then because 100%. I think that people on LinkedIn much prefer to consume the content of other people rather than of companies or company pages. So we have a yes. hop online page, but nothing yes. really happens there. We now have a Paris Talks marketing page that does okay, but nothing comes close to my own personal profile when, yeah. I, when I amplify stuff. And, I, and what, I've, what I've seen is that yeah. over the last couple of years, the majority of the clients that we've won, I can trace that back to some, really to a LinkedIn message. I mean, either, either it's just a LinkedIn DM or... Yeah, and uh, and I'm thinking, well, that that's yeah. kind of a sense of my ROI. All this effort I'm putting into LinkedIn, and and my team keeps telling me to spend even more time yeah. on LinkedIn. And there are some days where I think, wow, this is very fun yeah. for me. But damn, I mean, am I really am I really doing what's going to make the biggest impact for the yeah. business? But what, when we look at the leads, almost all of them have touched me yeah. personally through LinkedIn at some point, yeah. and that's that's proof enough yeah. for me. But you see yeah. that with other agencies where the, the owner or founder is out there building a personal brand. Absolutely, and I think the LinkedIn algorithm sort of like lends itself to that in terms of reach, right? You know, individual prep spring mm. from constant contact LinkedIn page, company page is I've started writing in first person. It drives, I think a couple of my like content team folks crazy. Mm. I think a little bit because like nobody thinks that way. Nobody says, you know, nobody's like when you think of company page, it's, it's using the words like we or us or our, right. And it's mostly things like job postings and, and the like, right. You know, sort of like your billboard. Yeah. Super corporate. Yeah. And that's, not how we do it. Right or wrong, that's not how we do it. So what we do instead is like, this is absolutely mm -hmm. our person. Like when I say our, I mean, you know, the Sharp Spring, like and our take, you know, our point of view is very specific about problems that we see marketers having or agencies having. And then talking to those particular pain points, you know, and talking to those particular things that, that are, you know, agencies are struggling with and, you know, doing that through video, doing that through, you know, text, but yeah, that very personal take mm -hmm. has sort of made its way from my personal LinkedIn profile to our company page, because it, it's how, like, to your point, it's how people want to connect mm -hmm. Because you want them to connect with you because they know by extension, you know, what you're representing, you know, with your, with your brand or your agency is like the underlying, you know, sort of like they feel like they know you a little bit. I'm trying to do that, I think, with our company page too. Mm -hmm. So anyway, not very many people I've ever seen do that, but uh, mm -hmm. we're testing that now. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I do think link, LinkedIn has been co- consciously not making the prior mistakes of previous algorithms that have come before it. And I'm thinking Facebook and yeah. Twitter. Um, yeah. Facebook gave a lot of yeah. organic reach and then took it away quickly. I mean, in the space of a year, yeah. it took away almost all the organic yeah. reach. That's probably 20, I don't know, 2014, yeah. 15. Instagram. Yeah. They had to hit that number. They right? had that quarterly number. Right, they had right. to hit and that you, number. What, once, yeah. it, once it's a public company and, and you've got quarterly, yeah. you're right. Yeah. I mean, you got short-term pressure to keep driving the yeah. ad revenue, then that means you dial down the organic reach. Yeah. It happened again with, yeah. with Instagram, but a little, the, the organic yeah. reach window was open. I feel a little longer with Instagram, with, with Twitter, right. so-so. And I think LinkedIn is now right. learning that it's trying to find the right balance of keeping the organic reach window yes. open for personal profiles and uh, monetizing revenue from company profiles from the ad side. Yes. And I think they've nailed yes. it with that. And if they can keep that going, I, uh, hope, I sure hope they can. The I, I I love that you said that because you're right. Facebook like organic reach is sort of a joke, right? You know, and and yeah, it's not you know the yeah it, it is. And then but for LinkedIn, it is still a really powerful way to get in front of other brands with your own personal point of view. Mm-hmm. And I'm like from the paid side, the uh, job title level targeting is second to none. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of like the specificity yeah. with which you could run and, and get in front of your perfect ICP by mm-hmm. job title. And the way I know that is because like I can see like on our own demo request page, I was doing this just the other day for our our salespeople Mm -hmm. is I was showing them all of the job titles of the people that they want to get in front of, Mm -hmm. right. That are hitting our, you know, hitting our demo request page, asking for a demo. And it's like directors of, you know, agency owners, you know, VPs, you know, everybody that's sort of in our ICP. It's really fun to to sort of see how, how much that's evolved over the years and gotten better. Oh yeah. that, That job title targeting is so sweet. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online, a performance marketing agency focused on high-growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation, you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, go to hop.online, that's hop, H-O-P dot online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, back to the episode. Well, we, we could go on for a while here, but um, I, I'd like to pivot into yeah. some, something a little experimental. Eric, I have a few rapid fire questions. And would you, are you up for, for some quick rapid fire? And, and some of these might be a little off the wall, but sure. um, I know I didn't prep you for this. <laughs> yeah. And you absolutely have the right to pass on any of sure. these questions. I haven't had all my coffee um, yet, but I'll but do my really best. My, so let's, let's do it. Okay. From the channels that you're currently using as part of your own marketing, I want you to pick three to either kiss, marry, or kill. So three channels, one kiss, one marry, one kill. Which are they? So, oh goodness. Um, so paid, I'm going to say is going to be sort of my kiss one mm-hmm. only because it's going to be a limited time, right? <laughs> it's like at some point it's going to go away. Mary is going to be paid social like we just talked about, right? Specifically LinkedIn. Okay. And then mm-hmm. kill uh, content syndication. Content syndication. Interesting. Okay. I, I'm, I'm so tempted to dive deeper. We've, we've got to move to the next. What marketing win in the last year surprised you the most? That's a good question. So it, I don't know if it was marketing as much as it was marketing ops. One of the things mm-hmm. that we changed very 
uh, we were able to implement it very quickly and, and, and it had a huge effect was we used to route opportunities from our high intent channels, specifically people asking for a demo request page uh, or on mm -hmm. the demo request page to a BDR team that would then qualify them and then pass them to an AE. And mm -hmm. we stopped that and we started routing them directly to the AEs when people were saying, I'm, I already want the demo. I don't want to talk about anything else. Like I've pre-qualified myself. Mm -hmm. I would like to just see the product. And that improvement was dramatic. It was like a 32% improvement in actual demo attend rates. And it mm -hmm. was like, I think we rewired that entire thing and, you know, maybe a few days or something. It didn't take very long. Interesting. Yeah. So you, you just leapfrogged the BDR step and went straight to AE? For certain for types of leads, yeah. For, for qualified demo requests. Leads. That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, I don't. No All right, we'll move on. Okay. What is the biggest threat to Constant Contact's business today? I think if anything, it's the same for every business. I don't think it's just us. But if we are not really well tuned to what our buyers are actually looking for, either new buyers, mm -hmm. you know, in the, you know, that are coming on board or, you know, existing install base, if we're not attuned to that and we're not delivering on that, there are plenty of other options mm -hmm. out there. And so one of the things that we're really trying to do is understand what their problems are and making sure that that makes its way into our marketing and into our roadmap. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the way that you, that's not something that you can do once a quarter. And that's not, honestly, I don't think that's something that you can do. That's also not something that you can do through like a third party marketing research firm. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there are plenty of really great ones out there. That is something in the market. You have to be talking to the customers and you have to be asking them in different ways, what's keeping them up at night and what problems they are trying to solve. And then you need to have a feedback loop that formalizes that input that you're getting from people and from the market and then making its way back into your marketing from your all the way up to your ads that you're doing, you know, and into again your product roadmap. So if you're not doing that in a real time fashion and mm -hmm. learning as you go with a very quick learning cycle, you're going to lose touch. And like you can just look at companies that, you know, have have fallen mm -hmm. by the wayside and that's the reason why. Yeah. All right, Eric, next question. We're we're getting we're almost there. What is the most useless talent that you have? Uh, probably golf. <laughs> I, not that I'm even good at it. Like, you know, that's the other thing is like, you know, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> okay. All right. If, um, if either let's say constant contact or sharp spring one, if it was awarded a one minute ad slot for the Super Bowl, 32nd spot, what would you do with that opportunity? I would for a for a Super Bowl ad. That's a good question. I think what I would probably do. Which first of all, which brand? Which which constant brand would contact. get it? Yeah, constant and, contact um, would get it, yeah. and then within that brand, it would be like letting our customers talk for us. It, you know, we can say things all day long, but letting them mm -hmm. talk themselves, okay. you know, very quickly about what they had, what, what the issue was they were trying to solve, and how they and how they solved it. Great. Last one, Eric. Promise. Who do you have weekly one-on-one -on -one meetings with? The one-on-one -on -one that I have that I report up to is Laura, who is our CMO. And then my one-on-ones that I have mm -hmm. are within my team on the demand gen side. So we we spend a lot of time together just talking through what are the challenges, what are they trying to overcome, what are the blockers, how can I help them? We talk personal stuff, like just mm -hmm. get to know you stuff. It's you know it's pretty comprehensive. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Well, you have survived the rapid fire or not so rapid fire 
fire questions. Uh, and thank you for being, yeah. um, well, really our first guinea pig for that on the show. I think you did great. Happy to do it. We could go on so much longer, but I want to respect your time, Eric. And uh, and I'd love to do this again. But as we wrap up here, what did I not ask you that that you wished that I would have asked you? Or what, what else do you think you can say that, that could really benefit our audience? I, you know, that's interesting. I, you know, I think you covered so much. And like, I think probably what I'll do is I'm going to save those questions for when we have you on our podcast, because I think we should have you on our show. Okay. We should be talking about some of these things. So we'll set that up. That'll be fun. Oh yeah. That, that'll be a pleasure for me. Sure. Well, let's, yeah, let's make that our next, our next step. Great. Cool. Well, Eric, how can, how and where can people find you online? Uh, LinkedIn, just Eric Stockton. LinkedIn. You can find me. Yep. LinkedIn's the easiest way. Okay. Yep. So yeah, search for Eric, Eric Stockton. He's the VP of demand gen at constant contact. And uh, that was pretty easy for me to find too. So Eric, I really appreciate your time. Thanks very much for being with me. We, we really did cover a whole lot. And I think we could, we could go a lot deeper into a lot of these topics. In particular, I felt even, even a guilty pleasure today for, for getting so many of my own agency related pain points and scratches itched. And that was really, really interesting for me. So thanks. For Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again. Yep. All right. Take care, Eric. All right, you too. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.